Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Sarah. And I am Bree, and joining us today, we have author Sabrina York. Welcome to the podcast, ma'am. Please tell us how you're doing and how your 2021 is going. Okay, let's skip that question. (laughs) (laughs) Next. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, Yeah, let's skip that question. (laughs) But um, no, it's been it's been a little rough. It's been a little rough. I, I think a lot of people feel the same way. So, yeah, we you want to start over? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, well, that, no, that that says a lot without saying anything at all, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. I was just yeah, chatting with a friend happy. today. I was like, this is like the longest. It's like the <laughs> longest summer ever, and yeah. I, I don't know. It's just like well, I'm ready for a new beginning. Problems, like, let's we'll do 2020. We won't get to anything else if I start telling you about my day. No. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> All right, Sarah, you want to kick us off with icebreakers? Absolutely. If you came with a warning label, what would it say? I think it would say caution. Work in progress. I just don't. I'm not done. You know, I'm still working on it. So that would be Mm -hmm. mostly. Mm -hmm. I think we could all use that as a warning label. Yeah, but it's not to warn people so much as to inform them. Yeah, like don't blame me. (laughs) I'm not done yet. I'm I'm working on it. Where would you spend all your time if you could? I I love to travel, so I I'd be all over. I. If I could. Okay, that's the key word there. If I could. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, word. I would be all over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be everywhere. I'd be traveling. I would go to Antarctica. <laughs> I would go to you know, Tibet. I would mm. go to, I don't know, Kansas City. You know, all those awesome places. I would just go and travel. Yeah. And eat. If you now had 25 hours in a day, what would you do with the extra hour? Sleep. I don't even need more time for that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm a napper. Um, I'm a what's one boy. thing you find yourself nostalgic for? Oh, actually, I'll be serious. Um, the, my mom has passed, and I'm, I'm really nostalgic for Christmas mm-hmm. with the whole family. And mom would, um, she'd make Christmas tree yeah. cookies. And then before we put them in the oven, uh, we would drill a hole at the top. So when the cookies came out, we'd decorate them and then thread them with yarn and put them all over the tree mm-hmm. and by Christmas oh, we had a basset hound so by Christmas you know there was nothing on the lower rung because the basset <clears> hound <throat> could reach it and then there was nothing on the middle rung because my sister and I could reach it so we only had cookies at the very tippy top of the tree but we had a lot of uh, yarn mm-hmm. in between the sofa cushions yeah because- it's and 2020's Christmas was was rough yeah. I think for a lot of people, I lost my dad in January last year. So yes. I know what you mean. Right. Celebrating that first Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It doesn't matter how old you are. Well, yeah. And um, I think because it's been several, several years and it's still the same. It's still like, gosh, I wish she was here. I wish she was yep. cooking the roast instead of me. And I, I know <laughs> I wish she was here and, and we could hear her voice again. So, yeah. Something happens and you still want to tell her about it, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> But I, I believe that she's, you know, we're still connected and, she, you know, we're able to communicate with each other. So absolutely. What is one food you can't live without? Um, my favorite food in the world is peanut butter, which is great because on my food app, it comes up as an A, depending on how much I have. You know, if you have a whole jar, it's not an A, it's an mm-hmm. F. But yeah, peanut butter. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, eat it with a spoon. Um, what was your first job? So, oh um, yes, yes. Oh no, this is not interesting. But um, I actually worked out at a beach. Uh, I'm an army brat, so um, we had a beach and a pool on the base that we were living on. And so my job was my first job was to go up and down the beach with a plastic bag and pick up all the garbage, including the dirty diapers and the buried dirty diapers and all of this stuff. um, Then I got promoted to sitting at the front gate and checking IDs. So I was a success. Nice. As a beach cleaner upper, I guess, because I got promoted. So we love romance origin stories. How did you become a romance reader? 
I think it was my older sister. She was like a year and a half older than me. And I think she handed me a book and she says, you might like this. And uh, I read it and I was like, oh my God, Uh, I'm a woman now. Um, It was The Flame and the Flower by Kathleen E. Woodywis. And I know a lot of of people that was their first romance. Uh, But I got to say, I went back and reread it a couple years ago and I was like, oh no, this guy's a jerk. Why does she like him? So it's funny how through time our uh, archetypes for heroes really shift with with cultural thought. So yeah, but that was my first romance. Has writing always been a passion of yours? Yeah, as long as I can remember, because when I was in uh, preschool, um, they told my mom I probably would never learn how to read and write because um, I'm dyslexic, just really, really dyslexic. And of course, my mom, being my mom, was mm-hmm. like, uh, the hell. So she was already reading to us every night, but, <laughs> but she continued that. And and yeah. then um, she started reading one chapter a night as a form of torture. I don't know. It felt like torture. Um, one chapter a night, one chapter a night, and that would be it. So I got really frustrated and I decided I'm going to learn how to read better so I can read my read books on my own. And so after that happened, then her problem was um, the flashlight under the covers. Yeah. So I just decided if somebody's going to tell me I can't do it, then I'm go- I'm going to do it if I want to do it. And I loved books mm-hmm. and I loved stories and ideas and fantasies. I was always making things up in my head. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to write. I'm going to be a writer. So at what point in your life did you realize you wanted to pursue writing professionally? That was in the sixth grade. Um, in the sixth grade, I wanted to Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, because like I told you before, I like attention. <laughs> so in the sixth grade, I won, <laughs> I won a, um, an essay contest. And I was like, ta-da. And I don't want to brag, but I won 25 um dollars savings bond so it was a pretty big haul for for a sixth grader um and then i thought people are gonna give me money for doing this i'm already good at it i might as well just be an author (laughs) yeah and plus i love the story i love writing stories (laughs) i'm I'm sold career career path is set that's right (laughs) if this beach picker upper thing doesn't work Love it. Can you share with us what your publishing journey was like? Well, a lot like um, most things, you know, it it was absolutely not what I thought it was going to be. Every time I thought it it would turn left, it turned right. And um, I thought for sure I had publication in the bag. I don't know how many times. Um, And I joke with my friends like, gosh, um, I think I have a curse on me because it seems like every editor or agent who really likes my work um, suddenly gets pregnant or leaves the company or marries some dude, you know, it's like, or goes back to school. And so anytime anyone was interested in anything that I wrote, they would disappear from the universe. And uh, so, yeah, it was one of those things where I felt like I was chasing it a long time probably, oh gosh, I don't know, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe even close to to 10 or 11 years um, writing. We call it practicing. Wow. wow. (laughs) Practice books, practice books. Um, (laughs) I wrote all kinds of stuff. I mean, I I was just like, well, whatever hits first, that's where I go. And it just happened to be steamy romance. So that's what I'm still writing. But we'll talk Mm. about, you know, my my interest in writing, you know, I, you know, (laughs) lots of other things I'm interested in doing. Um, one of the things I'm working on is, um, I, I hate the word women's fiction, but it's more like a, it's not a romance. It's more like a mainstream fiction. Um, that's kind of semi-autobiographical um, about including some of the things I've experienced mm. in a fictionalized universe. Um, just because some of them are so flippin' yeah, funny. Okay. I mean, oh my gosh, it's going to be, yeah, if I can ever... <laughs> If I ever get time to write it, <laughs> it's going to be fun. But yeah, it's, it's, an yeah. it's really different business. So we could just, we could do a whole interview on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you first started to like, 
pursue writing professionally and you're going through this, you know, this process and people are leaving and stuff like that. Like, I guess, can you tell us like around what time, what time frame was that? And how did you, I don't, I guess I've never really, I don't think we've ever asked yet. Like how were you like reaching out to publishers or agents? Like when you actually started to try to pursue it professionally. And then unfortunately just, we do hear a lot of like, I felt like I was in the door and then the publisher that I, the editor that I had left, <laughs> like that seems to be like a big trend. So like, how, yeah, they do move around a lot, which like is why you how must, are you reaching out to them? Well, you must be nice to everyone. Relationships are key. Um, not just because you mm-hmm. may find yourself working with them, but just because it really is a decent thing to do. Be flipping nice. Be nice to people. Yeah. Um, there's no reason to be mean or snippy. Um, uh, first thing that was really important to me, because I was playing around. I lived in California. I wasn't near any RWA chapters. Um, and I never met another romance author. And then we moved up to Washington State. And there were three or four within half an hour drive from my house. So I joined um, RWA and I joined some of the local chapters here. And if, you know, if anybody is, you know, wondering how do you get published or how do you perfect your art, you join a group like that because it was a group of 50 or more extremely um, supportive women and men who write romance and we take care of each other. We're like a family. So uh, I know um, we were, my, all my friends and I were going to conferences. That's another key. If you want to pitch to an editor or an agent, mm-hmm. that face-to-face is huge. It's so much because she, you're, yeah. you're pitching, she's seeing it from a person, not a piece of paper. So um, that, that that's the kind of yeah. things we were doing now mm-hmm. back then. And this was, oh. Gosh, probably started around 2001, really seriously uh, trying to get published. But back then, um, we were still mailing in manuscripts, which was very expensive. And, um, you know, there was no uh, digital market. You know, uh, Amazon hadn't opened that up. So everything that we did had to be done via mail or at a conference. So uh, that was really critical in meeting editors and agents. Um, it didn't mean you were going to get a response back or you were going to get it back um, positively. So it really is, it's a, a fight, but it's a fight. You need to keep your chin up and um, you need to keep that smile on your face and your confidence high, because I think that's what kills most authors' passion is when their confidence gets battered. Um, having friends around who are in the same boat yeah. will save your stuff. Um, you have written it seems like a little bit of everything, which is so inspiring to see. I'm like, you can't put Sabrina York in a box. Mm -hmm. Um, You've written historicals, contemporaries, cowboy romances, and even a couple of fantasy romance titles. So can you take us through how writing romances in these different subgenres came to be for you? Um, Well, I always read all kinds of um, books. I I really love Piers Anthony and, you know, there's so many others. um, I can't remember their names, but I also love to read historical fiction and things like that. And um, uh, I think what that did in my brain was it kind of um, connected all these different concepts and ideas so I can extrapolate. So like you say, with, with romance, I mean, I do contemporary and historical I do seals. I do, you know, um, uh, shoot cowboys. I think we said cowboys. Um, I do all of those things, but Mm -hmm. um, it goes beyond that. I've also written a sci-fi that I think, well, I can't Mm -hmm. say that, but (laughs) I've written a sci-fi and I I have like uh, 20 um, fantasy books like in progress somewhere along the way of women's fiction Mm -hmm. um, which I I love to write those um, with my snarky attitude um so yeah I think the boredom I I don't want to say boredom because it's not boredom but it's almost like I I want to have a little taste of lots of flavors 
Um, I want to fill my life with all kinds yeah. of things. Like if somebody said to me, you can only watch cowboy movies for the rest of your life. I think most people would be kind of, you know, you know, I don't want to just watch how I like them, but so it's kind of the same thing for me. It's like, mm -hmm. I want to like fill my soul with all these different flavors and they all feel differently. To me. Well, it's very similar to being a reader. You know, we, we as readers, we read all, I mean, I read historical fiction, historical romance, contemporaries. I read a fantasy the other day. I can't imagine like making your career saying, I'm only going to write these kind of books. Yeah. So, a lot of people you know, do. I think that's pretty awesome. You, you look at your bibliography and it's like, yeah, wow, <laughs> you don't have to, you, I mean, I think that if I, to me, seem like seeing what writers do, it just is so fascinating yeah. and it's so inspiring, but it's also like, it kind of feels like sometimes you have to figure out your lane and kind of stay in it. Like, oh, I'm good at this. So this is what I'm going to do. But it's yeah. like, you know, writers are also readers. And if you love a thing, you're going to have that inspiration. Like, I want to try to write a paranormal romance. And it's like, you seem like you're that author that's like, well, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll do it well. One, another part of that is it really is about um, your craft. You know, um, have you paid mm -hmm. your dues? Have you done your work? Typically, you know, after 10,000 hours, which is about five years, um, you know, you get just uh, the mm -hmm. point of some uh, fluidity in your writing and, you know, your voice, you know, mm -hmm. all of these other things. Uh, what is really hard <laughs> is the editing side, but we'll just skip over that for now. It's very unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's chat your newest series, the Sterling Ranch series, which is part of Harlequin's special edition uh, line. In your Dear Reader letter in book one, you share that writing for Harlequin has always been a dream of yours. What was your journey to becoming published with Harlequin like? For me, um, you know, as I said before, everything is about relationships. Uh, and I um, was um, very active in my RWA local chapter, GSRWA. We had a big conference every year and I was on um, the board of directors as well as um, uh the conference committee and, and for a couple of years I was the conference chair. So extremely active with this group. And they had, uh, we, we had a, every February we have a free event for members. And this particular year they brought in a couple of Harlequin editors. And one of those editors was Susie Littman. And so I met her uh, because I wanted Aww. to ask her, I was really interested in having um, like a, a film, um, a film uh, developer at our conference to, for people to pitch to, and I'd heard my agent told me that she uh, she had a friend who was um, working, you know, for uh, a filmmaker, and so I went up to her and I asked her, and she gave me Aaron's name, and I contacted Aaron, and Aaron ended up coming to our conference and was a huge hit because she's a phenomenal woman. Um, so that's kind of the way that I got to meet Susie, and of course I I sent her a thank you because I was so thrilled as conference chair to be able to have a film person at our conference, and um, and then I was talking yeah. to my my agent about you know next steps, and one of the things she mentioned was. Well, um, you know, you know, Susie might be interested if you want to put together a proposal. And that's kind of um, the way this mm -hmm. particular uh, sale went. Um, you know, but what okay. I guess what I want to really clarify or, or underscore here is that what got me to this point was relationships with people, which is my, you know, I always go back to that. Mm -hmm. That's what we're here for. That's what it's all about. And I'm not just talking about publishing. I'm talking about life. Well, shout out to Miss Susan. If she's, if she ever listens to this, she's like one of our dreams to have on. I follow her <clears> on Instagram <throat> and I'm like, Hey, you know, we have this podcast and we'd like you to come on. So, <laughs> like, my fingers crossed. She's a wonderful, warm, warm, wonderful woman. What was it about special editions specifically that made it perfect for the kind of stories you wanted to tell? So once you start, you know, you, you know, you want to write for Harlequin. Did you know you wanted to do special edition? No, I, it was Susie. 
it was a chance to work with Susie. It was her that got, okay. Right. Okay. It was just like, wow. Okay. there was a real connection there. And, you know, I've worked with a lot of different editors and a lot of different publishers and I've, I have good relationships with them all, but sometimes you just really click with a person and, you know, just kind of mm-hmm. mesh together. And so I was like, I really want to work with her. And it's been, yeah. it's been just wonderful. She's great. Yeah. Accidental Homecoming is an amazing second chance found family romance between Danny and Lizzie. Can you share with us how the idea for their romance and the creation of Butterscotch Ridge came to you? Which, by the way, best town name ever. (laughs) I know. I was calling it the Butterscotch Ridge series. And I was like, no, it's the Sterling Ridge series. (laughs) That's a great idea. (laughs) Um. Uh, Susie and I were just kind of throwing around ideas and she said she was really interested in cowboys. And I have, I I wrote, um, Oh, the stud ranch series. You guys might be interested in that. It's Mm -hmm. about these guys who turn their, their ranch house into a B and B for ladies. And then they have, you know, strip shows on Fridays, whatever. Anyway, it's called the stud ranch, but (laughs) so I'd already written some cowboys. Well, I think, uh, well, we won't go into that, but there, one of those was a best uh, was in a best selling anthology. So uh, it was New York Times and USA Today wow. Cowboys. So anyway, I really enjoyed Cowboys, and I just thought, gosh, I'm so tired of having to write Cowboys in um, in Texas because I don't like the heat, and you know how it is when you're writing. You know, you're you transport yourself to that place, and I'm like, ah, it's so hot in Texas. So uh, um, I was going out to visit my son who lives over the mountains. Um, and I noticed herds mm-hmm. and herds of cows. Um, so I did a little bit of research and they actually do have cowboys in Eastern Washington, which of course they do, but I'm like a dinghy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Didn't even occur to me. So um, <laughs> this series was actually an opportunity to pull some of my experiences um, from that area um, you know, into my writing. Um, mm-hmm. and as far as Butterscotch Ridge is, I was looking, we were in there in the summer and, you know, it's super hot in the summer, super cold in the winter. I mean, sometimes my, my son has to defrost his car mm-hmm. door in order to open his car at, at, at the end of the day at work. So super, super hot, wow. super cold. So we were there in the summer and of course we were doing wine, wine tasting because my son, he's, he's a wine chemist. So yeah, you get the whole snippy and swirly mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But um, yeah, so we were wow. wine tasting and it was really, it was middle of summer and it was just, you're driving along and it's just waves of brown. And, you know, we were thinking of mm-hmm. different things to call that particular color of brown. And one of them was butterscotch because I like butterscotch. It's one of my favorite flavors. Um, and he came up with more, more poop related ideas. So yeah, butterscotch it is. I don't think Cooperage <laughs> would have really, that probably wouldn't fly at Harlem. The first chapter, you, we get both Danny and Liz, Lizzie's perspective, but you started off with Danny's and we know he's like newly arrived in this place and there's like all this uncertainty and then we get Lizzie's perspective and I'm like okay and then like I finished chapter three and I was crying and I'm like I have 10 more chapters to go and I'm crying already so I'm checking what happened I mean, in chapter three <laughs> oh, it was the end it was I don't want to spoil it but it's like it was after she had told him this, the secret she had been keeping from him. And he's like, all right, well, let's do what we got to do. And I was like, you, you had just made those first three chapters so intense that like by the, by that scene, I was like, oh my God, like I still have 10 more chapters left of this book. So she's like, messaging me going, oh my God, <laughs> giving me a play by play. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. You, you talked about how the creation of the town came. What was it Danny or was it Lizzie? Like which one of them came to you first? Emma. Yeah. Emma. Emma did. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and then it kind of, you know, you can see she's trying to 
she's trying to take over the book. Um, I have to fight that down. I, yeah, I wrote is. another book. Um, uh, was it Susanna and the Scott? And um, I have the daughter in that one. Mm-hmm. And here it is. Susanna and the Scott and the daughter's Isabel. And she also tries to steal every scene she's in, but she's just so fun. Maybe I should just write books about small children. I don't know. Nobody wants to read that though. <laughs> but yeah, I love writing. I, I just feel love- like whenever you're done with the series, the last book can the last book can be like Emma at like 23. Well, yes. I yes. I did, that. I did that with Isabel. Isabel got her story in another book. And yeah, so that's super fun. But Isabel mm. was a hellion. I mean, she started fires and blew up castles and stuff. And, you know, what can you do um, <laughs> to make that girl palatable for, a, a, you know, an 18, 19 year old when she's that independent, you know, you have to kind of mm-hmm. really rework your thinking. So, but they're fun. And I love uh, writing old grandmas with a cane that like either wax people or trips them on purpose. Those are my regencies, my regencies. Yeah. Ah, I love um, Lady Danbury from Bridgerton. I, <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. She's good. She's good. Yeah. But I love Julia Quinn, by the way. She's one. Yeah. And it was, you know, I really love that you took this well-known trope. Like everybody loves found family, but it was like legitimate found family just all across the spectrum. So can you talk a little bit about like taking these tropes we all know and love and like giving them this fresh perspective? Well, um, I don't really know what I do or how I do it, but one of the things um, I like to call it is deep POV. If I'm in like submerged in them, in their skin, um, it, you start, you know, you start thinking, you know, what would he do? What would he say? You know, what does it feel like? And, um, you know, and then as an author, I have to disengage and then, you know, shoot back up and see mm-hmm. the big picture and see, you know, what the big picture is, hap- what's happening here. And um, a lot of times we have to go back and rearrange timing or, you know, some scenes have to be pulled out or new scenes put in or um, like at the book that I just finished editing. I mean, I basically just dismantled it and then kind of rebuilt it block by block while editing as I went. So, you know. No, I love that you said Emma came to you first because she really was like the 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 heart Ooh. of the story. Mm-hmm. And I, I think especially with Danny, because he never knew his father and his mom was not a good person. Yeah. But then he meets Emma and he's so nervous. And all she says is like, do you like ice cream? And he's like, yeah, but I don't think I could eat it like all day, every day. And he, it just felt like that scene was her showing him like, being a parent is easy. Like, sorry, you didn't have the best of luck, but like, it's, it's not, it, you're literally just going to wing it and you'll mm-hmm. be okay. And I just, I, sometimes kids in books and romances are like really snotty and hard to read, but then you have Emma's and it, she really was just like the heart of the story. I loved it. Yay. Thank you. Uh, the next book recipe for a homecoming is Mark Sterling's book the brother of Danny from book one. Is there anything about his book that you can share with us? Other than the fact that it's coming out of my birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Recipe for a homecoming um, basically is kind of about a baker. Um, and she she's like me, mm-hmm. an army brat. And she, um, she's been all around the world. But every summer, her parents would bring her back to spend the summer with grandma in Butterscotch Ridge. So mm-hmm. she knows the Sterling boys. They were real close friends. They used to romp around together as kids. Um, and uh, Mark even kissed her one time, but they were so young. You know, they, they were like 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And then um, right after that summer, her parents got a divorce and she wasn't able to come back again. So Mark has never seen her again, even though he had a real huge crush on her. And he's like the Lothario of town. He can't find um, 
you know, a woman that makes him happy and he's dating everybody. And um, so when she comes back, he's like, you know, he's, he knows she got married, right? He knows she got married. So he's like, when Mark hears she's coming back, he's kind of doesn't want to see her because he knows she's married. Um, and then when they finally meet, she tells him um, that she's divorced. But what she doesn't tell him mm-hmm. is that her marriage had not had, had been very abusive. Um, and so, okay. you know, for the first part of the book, you know, she she makes it very clear to him that she's really not interested in romance and she's just just looking for friends. Um, and so they become friends. He's mm-hmm. like he's willing to honor that and they become friends. Um, and then slowly but surely he starts finding out the secrets of her past um and he you know mm. he wants to respect her and as that he he has to you know he has to realize that she's the one who has to be in charge of the relationship um so it's a book about yeah. healing and learning how to love again and also learning that you're worthy of the love um and mm-hmm. it's coming out on okay. my birthday oh and she's a baker so there's Yay. lots of all kinds of yummies in it. So yeah, since I can't eat them, I write about them. So you sit down to begin working on your current work in progress. Let's do some set the scenes. So early bird or night owl, what time of day do you feel most productive with writing? Well, I don't think I'm ever most productive. Um, and it really, it, it's not the, the time of day so much as... Um, other more like ephemeral things that are floating around it's um it's like my mood and what i'm working on and how i feel about the project right now um technically i'm supposed to sit down (laughs) in the morning and work until you know five or six at night but the way it really works is sometimes i'm still going at midnight or one o'clock because i'm on a roll or things are going well or i have a deadline Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes I'll go in mm-hmm. and put in a paragraph and go, you know what? I'm just not, I'm ruining everything. <laughs> I just need to, to walk away or work mm-hmm. on something else. And sometimes when that happens, what I'll do is sit down mm-hmm. with a, a pen and paper and just kind of um, work. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of, your brain is like wired differently. So it's like, it, it kind of makes something different and there's no expectations. So um, the other thing I might do is go yeah. for a drive because that's for some reason where ideas come to me is okay. when I'm driving um, or um, or in the shower. Are you a plotter or a pantser? I'm actually hybrid. I'm hybrid in a lot of ways. Um, I'm hybrid because I'm published um, by publishers and I'm also self-published. Um, and then um, as a plotter mm-hmm. or a pantser, I start with a very firm structure and then I give myself rain within those parameters. And then sometimes even outside those parameters. But if I don't do that, then I go on tangents and I wander in the wilderness and I, I put things in books that only I and no one else <laughs> wants in that book. Um, and you have to remember, I mean, if you're writing to sell books or if you're writing for other people, you have to consider them in the process. Otherwise, just write for yourself and enjoy it but if you're writing mm-hmm. for other people you need to think about you know is this cohesive you know does does the plot have the right kind of arc you know are these people realistic you mm-hmm. know all of those things um um have to be taken into account so yeah it's a multi-step process really if it's a project you've already been working on do you reread over the previous day's work before beginning um, that's actually a time suck. I know a lot of people do it, but if I do it, I end up just editing whatever I wrote yesterday and I don't get to anything new. Um, okay. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's really a good idea for me to leave it in a place where I'm already, um, I'm already starting to develop um, dialogue and, you know, and certain phrases that I want to have in this. And I usually do, I am very mm-hmm. episodic. So, and I usually, as you probably noticed, I go, you know, boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, girl, wherever I can, just because I think mm-hmm. it's important that, mm-hmm. you know, since it's, it's an emotional arc between these two people, you know, the reader wants to check in. You want to know where, where's he at, where's she at, you know, as we move along, as things happen in the book. 
So mm -hmm. that's my, my preferred format. Um, but sometimes, um, you know, I have to do two in a row. Are there any necessities you need around you while writing? Well, um, I must have water. Uh, I usually have a fan blowing on me mm -hmm. at all times, just so I can have that Fabio look, you know, with my hair. Um, and then also, um, I like to have, <laughs> I like to have uh, classical music playing, um, simply because there's no words, and I like okay. classical okay. music. Um, but also, um, it, yeah, yes. if I put on, um, you know, sixties uh, or anything like that, then I want to sing along, and I can't sing and write at the same time. You know, I might have been able to yeah. at one point, but not yeah. Do you set daily writing goals? Um, I should, but I, I really don't. Um, I do try to track my writing or I have in the past right now, you know, the last couple of years, I'm like, meh, you know, <laughs> whatever I, you know, as long as I get it done, <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like I have a lot of things competing for my time right now. Um, although, you know, it can be crazy, but for the most part, it's just me and the dogs, you know, in a room. And I'm typing. Are there uh, any specific programs you use to write? Uh, I've tried, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, fancy ones. And I just always come back to Word. Um, it just makes sense to mm -hmm. write, you know, the way, you know, the way things are. Um, my big irritation in life is that they keep upgrading and changing things. So it used to do this, but it doesn't do it anymore unless you do this. And then, the, you know, it's like, stop it. Stop it. Things are yeah. good. You <laughs> don't have to upgrade things. You don't need to do it anymore. <laughs> they don't listen. Mm -hmm. You know, they live across the street. I, you know, I'm in Microsoft country, but they don't listen to me. <laughs> Just, nope. So let's do some backlist questions. Which book from your backlist do you remember making you laugh the most while you were writing it? So we talked about the kids in my books and, I think uh, the one that was mm -hmm. the most fun was um, Heartbreak on a Stick. And my hero, it's a contemporary, and my hero uh, is a movie star. And he, he was um, uh, born and raised in a small town in Washington State. And he, he's, um, the movie he's promoting is called The Homecoming or something. So his producer thought it would be a good idea mm -hmm. to do a promo event at his hometown. Um, so they send him back home uh, to this hometown that hated him. Well, they didn't hate him. His dad was the garbage man and they were poor and, you know, the rich, fancy kids would make fun of him. And so he didn't have a very, he didn't have a lot of friends. He did have one friend. Um, and um, of course, you know, he will come back and meet her later, but they were in love in high school. And then um, he disappeared. And what she doesn't know is her dad who is the mayor told him, if you don't get out of town, I'm going to arrest you and your dad and you'll never see her again. So he left to protect her. Mm. And anyway, blah, blah, blah. So it's a reunion romance uh, with all that going on in the background and his movie star friends who I love these people. They're great. Um, and then <laughs> Kiki is um, um, her, well, Kiki is their daughter, but uh, everyone in town, because it's a small town, thinks that Kiki is her aunt's daughter. Um, so, you know, they, because okay. when she moved back, they, they just didn't want to deal with the whole scandal thing because dad used to be the mayor and all that. But mm -hmm. so it, Kiki is very much like um, Isabel and um, wait one second. Too many books going on. Emma. <laughs> So she's very much like, <laughs> she's very much like Emma and Isabel in that, she, you know, she's got that little attitude thing going on and here comes this guy and, mm -hmm. you know, she, you know, he wants to, you know, impress her and she, she's like, I, I don't know if I want anything to do with you yet. And, um, so that one always made me laugh called heartbreak on a stick. It's really like, which book from your backlist was the toughest to write? Um, the one I was working on at the time. Is there a book in your backlist that you feel readers have reached out to you about the most? Yeah, you know, one that comes to mind is Parker's Passion. It's part of uh, the Trist Island series. Um, and I have had readers, mm -hmm. um, they want to marry Parker. And I'm like, he's he really is a great guy. Um, <laughs> but, 
Well, Parker and um, Kristen meet on Trist Island. Um, she's psychic, and he was um, brutalized when he was a little boy. He was in um, a very bad situation where he was burned uh, over most of his body by his mm. father trying to kill him. And Kristen can sense his, um, his pain. And basically through the story of them coming together, he's, she's healing him and he's healing her um, because she can't physically touch people mm-hmm. because it's too, it's too um, intense, uh, but she can touch him. So mm-hmm. they're just a perfect match together. And wow. I have a lot of readers. Um, and of course, at the end of the, well, I'm not going to tell you what happens at the end of the book. I almost did. You almost got it out of me. <laughs> but he is redeemed. For <laughs> being such an on, uh, an awesome guy. So a lot of people, yeah, they, they're like Parker. I just, I love Parker. He's just a wounded hero. And he deserves love. And you just want him, yeah. you want to love him and, you know, bring him to love. So, yeah. Is there a book in your backlist that you feel taught you something about yourself as a writer? Well, my very first book that ever came out was Adam's Obsession. And it was a super steamy office romance. And it was my first book. Mm-hmm. It was my first first editorial letter. It was the first edit that I ever had, professional edit that I'd ever seen. The first document that I opened and cried because it was red. And what it taught me was, get over yourself. This is a job. This is not mm-hmm. a personal attack on you. Yeah. Everybody's working for one thing, and that's to make it mm-hmm. the best book ever. If you can shove your ego out of the way, yeah. this you can reach greater depths. You know, in in reaching the reader, you can you can um, put your soul into the book. But if your ego is in the book and shoving the soul out of the way, it's you're not going to have any soul in your book at all. Get your ego out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Not an easy lesson to learn, mm-hmm. but I think it's super important. And I'm really glad no. that I started to learn it. I'm not going to say that I'm done learning it because I'm still a work in progress. But, and mm-hmm. an attention whore, but you know. Which book from your backlist has a character or a scene that comes across your mind the most? Is it Parker or is it, an- mm-hmm. is there another one? All right. So here's my problem. Um, I, I write archetypes rather than specific characters. So um, I know it sounds crazy, okay. but it's almost like I feel the character while I'm writing the character. And so it's more that feeling that I'm trying to put on the paper. That's mm-hmm. why, you know, I hope my characters, you know, feel different when you're reading their POV. I hope they feel differently to you, mm-hmm. you know, so you okay. can get that, that, um, you know, that kind of experience. My, one of my favorite archetypes is this really snarky, insecure, but always like kind of, you know, kind of mouthing off, but really sweet soul. Um, and I've had a couple of them, you know, mm-hmm. in my books, uh, Bella in Smoking Halt. She's the obnoxious younger sister. And um, Sam mm-hmm. in, you know, the, um, the Sterling Ranch series, very snarky personality, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, kind of, challenges people and questions them that's one of my favorite archetypes and it's all it's funny because readers and editors will be like you know could you could you tone her down a little bit <laughs> you know tone her down a little bit she's a little too <laughs> a little too would that doesn't sound very nice but you know what kills me about it is that character is who i am <laughs> It's me, but, or part of me, you know, it's like, I'm that snarky person, but here's Mm -hmm. the difference. I think it's like when you're reading it in a book, it's not like you're hearing it, you know, with the tonality and and things like that. So, um, as we're talking here, you get my sense of humor and you laugh when I say something that's funny, but if you just read it on a page, maybe it's not funny. Maybe it seems mean or, you know, so mm-hmm. yeah, I get a lot of uh, tone her down. Yeah. Damn it. She's me. Oh, but we love you. Now we'll do some round out questions. What is one book you wish you could read again for the first time? Um, I think it'd be a wrinkle in time. Um, I don't think I appreciated it yeah. as much as I should have when I read it the first time. Cause I read it for class, mm-hmm. you know, whereas if I, gosh, if I read it again, mm-hmm. it would be very different. 
What's a romance you've read within the past few years that reminded you of why you love the romance genre? So I don't, I don't get to read that much, or I, I shouldn't say I don't get to, I don't allow myself to read that much, but I do have um, a very prominent moment in my life where I remembered um, how much I love romance. Cause all through um, high school and college, I was, you know, reading two or three books a day. I was, you know, just a, you know, ravenous when, when I could, I should say, because I had to get good grades at school. I went on and I, I had my life, you know, got my, you know, college degree and I got a job and um, went back and got my master's degree and um, had a kid, you know, all that stuff going on. And then um, when I finished my master's program and put away my uh, mortar board, I thought, okay, what do we do now with my time? Because I'd had a ton of time and yeah, I'm done. You know, there's, you know, now I have all the time in the world. So I found, I went to um, Borders, which tells you how long ago it was. I went to Borders and I picked up a book called The Inscription <laughs> by, by Pam Binder. And I read it and I was like, oh, I remember this. I love this. This is my favorite. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really started serious even though I've been calling myself a writer since the sixth grade that's when I really kind of got serious about it mm -hmm. even though I didn't really seriously get serious about it until we moved up to Washington State in about 2007 that's when I really seriously started actually trying to finish mm -hmm. a book who was your teenage celebrity crush I had a weird family um, we had one tv in the house and it was mom and dad's <laughs> bedroom so tv wasn't a you know watching tv didn't happen um, unless it was the whole family watching TV. So I didn't really have mm -hmm. a, a celebrity crush, you know, I because um, I didn't watch TV and um, I didn't even know who they, a lot of them were. I can tell you who That's my crushes are, but you know, we won't talk about George Clooney. <laughs> George Clooney. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was my first like celebrity oh. crush seriously <laughs> yeah but you know what i saw him on the original roseanne show and i also saw him in attack of the killer tomatoes 2 that tells you how long ago that oh was. wow <laughs> yeah he was still cute wow. he was like oh, horrible. <laughs> but i like his attitude and i like that he cares about things that matter too you know he's got more going on than just that just nice looking guy name one film you'll never stop watching the, my favorite film, um, Shawshank Redemption, is probably my all-time favorite because I oh. love, I love that um, the whole you know, when you know when things are terrible and then they turn around, and, you know it's like ah, yes and justice and the American way and all that stuff. Although he did have to crawl through a sewer, but anyway that. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know why, I don't know why I love The Departed, but The Departed, but I love that movie and I will watch it whenever I can. And I don't know why, but I, I love it. Well, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> and, uh, yes. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's some great actors in that. But, yeah, I love that movie, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Godfather. I love Soprano. I, I don't know why, but, yeah. We don't have to justify here. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> what is one hill you will wholeheartedly die on? Okay, I will not tolerate cruelty to animals. I feel like sometimes like we, we don't like, especially dogs. I'm like, we don't deserve dogs. We don't deserve cats. They're like just too good mm -hmm. to us. <laughs> and we're like, That's well, right. horrible to them. I feel honored that, that I can be their mom, you know, that, that I have that opportunity to take yes. care of them and keep them safe. Yep. And they love me. It's like, yeah, yep. they, they picked us. Like, yeah. It's like, if I fart, she's like, oh, I love you. I love you. Mom. What is one of your favorite romance tropes to read? I really think it's Regency. Um, and it, it's one of my favorites to write mm -hmm. as well. Um, I just love the period. I love the period. Yeah. So speaking of that, would you try your hand at writing for the historical line for Harlequin? Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I love writing historical romances. Most of um, my indie stuff, the stuff I've self-published is super steamy. And, you know, mo mm -hmm. all, all of my books have some level of that in it, but um, I think they border on like 50 shades of Regency. 
those ones. They're, you know, they're a little. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I think we've coined a new term today. (laughs) Shades of Reed. That is what the Regency needs. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Is there a category romance series or line that you wish never went away? Oh, wow. They always seem to get rid of the ones that I like. I don't, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Um, But yeah, I don't, I don't, um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if anything pops to mind. When I was reading them three a day, um, I didn't care. Oh, you know Mm -hmm. what though? Um, It's not a line, but it's like, I really loved, I love Betty Neal's. And I'm like, where are those books now? Yes. I love those books. I mean, I was in love with love in her books, you know? And she always had the nurse and the Dutch doctor or the, who was a doctor and she was a nurse. Yep. Love those. Yeah. So it's not really a line, but. They need to do another reprint of all of her books. That would be great. That would be super. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I don't have any of those. Um, I've got, you know, everything I've read since uh, 20. Oh, what was it? Nope. It was 1999. Everything I bought. I have every book I've bought since 1999 in, yeah. I have one of her books, an original publication from the 60s. Oh I found at a thrift store. Gosh, that's a treasure. Roses for Christmas, I think is it co- it's called. Yeah, I was like, off the shelf for a dollar? Yes, please. <laughs> and you know, see, I, I, my hoopla has a lot of her stuff. Oh, really? The library system, so. Well, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I just love how mm-hmm. everything was so gentle you know it was gentle yes i don't i don't care for intrigue i don't care for murdery people you know lurking around the corners that's not what i i mean i just go to her books and i'm like it's just gentle and pure and you know it's wonderful yes i miss that Mm -hmm. so what's been one of the toughest pieces of advice you've ever been given well pick one Uh, No, that's my answer. Pick one. Um, (laughs) Because um, I love to write (laughs) everything, you know, I love to write uh, historical, Mm -hmm. I love to write contemporary. And I've had um, many authors say, Sabrina, you've got to pick one. You got to pick one. And I have wonderful friends Mm -hmm. who do extremely well writing nothing but Navy SEALs or nothing but military romance, nothing but cowboy romance. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, and they do very well because every single book is exactly the same, which is what you're supposed to do. And that's what I would do if I didn't value being creative more than making money. Because um, every time I put out something different, I could lose a reader. You know, I might pick up a reader, but you know what I mean? It's like they want exactly what they are expecting from you. And if it's different, then it might be a problem for them. But some of my readers are loyal mm-hmm. enough to cross the aisle, if you will. Um, for example, contemporary only <laughs> who actually read and enjoyed on my uh, regencies. They very graciously agreed mm-hmm. to, to cross the aisle and actually try something uh, a little different um, than what mm-hmm. they used to. And I hope, I hope people would really enjoy it. Um, I know, um, like with my, my sci-fi was written under a different pen name. And, you know, a, a lot of my people said, yeah, thank you for the opportunity, but that's not my bag. Um, and then a lot of them get told their husbands about it and their mm-hmm. husbands like it. Cause it's, you know, it's a sci-fi, it's about a, a male protagonist and there's cussing and, you know, sex and stuff. So, you know, guys mm-hmm. like it too. So this is also a piece of advice I did not take. But that was the toughest piece of advice that yeah. I had here was like, you know, if you really want to be a success, you have to pick one. And my heart says, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's like, you're asking me to pick between my children. You're asking me to choose between Regency yeah. and yeah. contemporary or cowboys and aliens. You know, I want it all. So mm-hmm. there. And if I, if I make less money yeah. because I don't have that, that straight and narrow road, I'm okay with that. It's like, I want to enjoy what I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I can do it, then I'm going, I can do it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that, 
Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do it. Um, and I hope some people follow me. And, you know, if they don't, then there's a lot of, a ton of amazing authors out there who are, who can give them exactly what they want. And I hope they, they find them. But don't leave me. 15 years from now, you're writing your memoir. What's the title? Work in progress. I'm going back to the beginning. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. Work in progress. <laughs> We're coming full circle. <laughs> yeah, stop having expectations, damn it. <laughs> and now and then, knowing what you know now, is there any advice you would go back and tell yourself at the beginning of your writing career? Absolutely. And I probably wouldn't listen, you know, because I'm that kind of person. Um, but the advice I would give myself <laughs> I especially don't listen to myself. Um, it would be check your ego at the door because all the pain Incredible. I've had in in this in this journey has been ego driven. I my book didn't sell as much as I wanted it to, or I didn't win an award, or this happened, or that happened, or someone else got an opportunity I didn't get. You know, and that's the kind of stuff that will drain you of your creativity if you let it. Um, the mm -hmm. other thing is it speaks to a scarcity of some kind. And I remind myself there is no scarcity. There's enough for everyone to be happy. You know, and I have the readers that I have. Mm -hmm. Other authors, you know, get a movie deal or this happens or that happens. I need to be just as happy for them as if it were myself. And then mm -hmm. I also get to enjoy their yeah. success. Otherwise, I'm punishing myself because mm -hmm. they got something I didn't. And that's stupid. It's really stupid. Check the ego at the door. Quit uh, worrying about what people think about you and worry about what you do and enjoy doing it. I probably wouldn't listen. Besides Recipe for Homecoming, do you have anything else releasing that you can tell us about? In February, the third book in this series is coming out. Um, and it's called The Marine's Reluctant yeah. Oh, yeah. Return. <laughs> That's Luke. <laughs> It'll be Luke's okay. story. Um, okay. I was, about to say, I was wondering, I'm like, is it Luke? Okay. It's Luke. Yeah. And it's um, actually going to be the last one in the series unless uh, they request more books. But um, Luke is okay. uh, mm -hmm. a wounded warrior. And um, it, in addition to mm -hmm. that, and see if you can guess where you got this, where I got this idea from. Um, he's always had a sense of inferiority because he's dyslexic and, you know, always felt like he wasn't mm. quite as good as everybody else because of the way people treated him. And so, you know, that speaks to me a lot. You know, I, I, I want to explore how this feels for, for him and the um, child in the book, because uh, when he, he steps into this world, mm -hmm. Crystal, his old friend, is his good friend, has a son that's struggling with dyslexia. And um, so part of the story okay. is is um, Luke helping Jack learn how to deal with this rather than starting fights and starting fires and getting in trouble and stuff. So that book is coming out in February and I'm very excited and very sad because <laughs> I really, you know, I've enjoyed this process. You know, got to meet some great people throughout um, you know, working with Harlequin, there's just some amazing people. So. And lastly, where can everyone follow you online? SabrinaYork.com. And that's the easiest way. It has links to everything else. But if you go to SabrinaYork.com backslash gift, you can sign up for my newsletter and get two free books. They're sample books. So you would get um, a rebound, which is the first book in uh, the Trist Island series. And then you would also get um, Dark Fancy, which is one of those, you know, Fifty Shades of Re Regencies we talked about. Um, and so those are Ooh. two books. <laughs> the first books in the yeah. And, um, you know, if, if people, um, you know, if they want to get information about my books and my um, TR giveaways and, you know, other things that are going on, sometimes I do special giveaways. Mm -hmm. Like when I went to Europe, um, right before the shutdown, I, I picked up little souvenirs every place we went and for a giveaway. So people, the winner got all of these oh. souvenirs and tchotchkes from all over um, the Mediterranean, as well as their tiara. 
So I'll do fun stuff like that. So if you want to keep up to date on that, you might want to uh, <laughs> letter. But the best way to do it is to also get those two free books. You can, you know, you can sign up other ways too. But if you want to try out those books, um, yeah, give me a shot and see, see what you think. So that's sabrinayork.com. And then um, while you're on there, you can also look for current giveaways because I always have at least one giveaway going. I think I might have two right now. I think I'm I'm uh, giving away a signed copy of book two, uh, Recipe for Homecoming. Yeah. And I'm also uh, giving away a tiara okay. for release for the release day. So I always have something going on. It's a lot of fun. Yay. Not so many conferences anymore, but uh, lots of giveaways. <laughs> Thank you so much for chatting with us today. It has truly been an honor to get to know you and I mean, it's just been so much fun. So thank you. And for our listeners, make sure you check the show notes. We will have a link to Sabrina's website along with a specific link that you can click to sign up for her newsletter. And yes, she is always doing a giveaway. Like I was reading your blog and I'm like, she's always giving something away. It's just, so, it's just like, she doesn't have to do that, but you do. And that's just so nice to see. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we will also leave links to where you can buy um, the first two books in, I'm calling it the Butterscotch Ridge series, but it is actually the Sterling Ranch series. So <laughs> people look out for book two. If you have not read book one, Danny and Lizzie's Romance, you have to do it. And I mean, yes. Emma does steal the show. So we'll just say Emma's book, book number one. Yep. Uh, it'll be listed <laughs> down below. So make sure you check the show notes. And Sarah and I will chat with you guys in our next episode. Have a lovely day, everybody.